you are listening to the Sermon Podcast at Bethel. We're an evangelical covenant church located in western Wisconsin outside of Ellsworth, and you can find out more about us on our website, BethelCov.org. My name is Todd Speaker. I'm the pastor here, and thank you for listening. Open uh, in your Bibles, if you would, to Lamentations chapter 1. It's in the Old Testament, and this is one of those times where if you're using the Bible app on your phone, you're in much better shape because it's uh, much easier to find that way. It's a little book. It's only five chapters, and it's towards the end of the Old Testament. I just saw it. Right between Jeremiah and Ezekiel, we're going to be looking at that together. We're also going to put the stuff up on the screen, Uh, but that's what we're going to be looking at. So that's your opportunity to turn uh, to Lamentations chapter 1. So Lamentations is a a special book in the Bible uh, because you've probably... Um, maybe never, ever heard anybody ever preach out of it before. Uh, And and if you've heard anything out of the book of Lamentations, uh, there's one familiar verse. It's in chapter 3. Let me see if I can... Um, Let's see. Chapter 3, verse 22. You've probably heard this. This is the only verse in all of Lamentations that's good on a page-a-day calendar. Uh, And it goes, maybe you've heard this before, uh, Lamentations 3.22, Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I say to myself, the Lord is my portion, therefore I will wait for him. Have you ever heard that verse before? Yeah, that's a good classic calendar verse. And if you've ever um, wondered and actually looked it up in Lamentations, I encourage you, we're going to walk through Lamentations together, and what you'll find is that that is probably the only thing in the whole book of Lamentations that's fun to read and puts a smile on your face and makes you feel like everything's okay, because Lamentations is a book written by a person who had just faced something that is 100% not okay. Uh, Lamentations is the response uh, to the destruction of the city of Jerusalem. And in the ashes of Jerusalem, uh, this book was written. And so we're going to spend some time these weeks as we get closer to the celebration of Easter, um, uh, looking at what is in God's Word in the book of Lamentations. And so today uh, we're going to talk about um, what I like to call uh, the wall and the closet. Okay, so... Uh, the closet and the wall. Um, the wall um, is, uh, we all have a wall, I think, and we all have a closet in our lives. The wall is your, is your front uh, face. Uh, the wall is what you let people see. When somebody walks into your home, uh, the first thing they see, right, you know, you've got those nice pictures up on, up on your wall, maybe. When I was first dating my uh, my wife, now wife, Erin, I, I went uh, to visit her parents' house, and they had, uh, and they still do, they have this uh, the special kind of picture wall. And, and I remember thinking, 
Um, and on that wall was, it was any of the, it was the kids, it started with just the kids, and then when the kids got married, the spouse got to be up on the wall. But, you know, I was just a boyfriend then, so I did not get to be on the wall. And now, if you go to my mother-in-law's house, there are a number of walls that it's the, the, the kids and the spouses, and of course, the grandkids, they get primacy on the wall. And, and everyone, every one of us has a, has a wall like that. You know, this is where we put the things we are most proud of. And, and I know for me, when I first got to be on uh, Penny Drugsma's wall, I knew that I was in, right? Uh, the wall is where we put stuff that belongs. The wall is the place for our successes, um, uh, we put our stuff on the wall because they might inspire others. They might encourage others. Uh, uh, Lamentations 3.22, that's a wall Bible verse. It goes on, on the wall. Um, our pride, our dreams, our successes, um, our solved problems go on the wall. Uh, if you've ever met somebody, and, and this happens often in the church, where uh, somebody might share a story of, of struggle in their lives. Maybe it was a sin issue, or maybe it was something that they went through, and nine times out of ten, uh, for that to get put on the church wall, it has to have been a long time ago. <laughs> oh, back when I was struggling with this. Oh, a few years ago when I went through that. Then the story can get on the wall, but for everything else, we have another place in our homes, don't we? Um, we we have, a, have a closet. <laughs> um, the closet is where the stuff that doesn't belong on the wall goes. Um, so, so maybe, and it's different for each of us, but the closet is where we put uh, our failures. The closet's where we put the things that we tried hard and it didn't work out. The closet is where we keep uh, the, the sin issues that we still haven't quite figured out and gotten past. Um, the closet uh, is where we often put our, our losses our mornings, when something happens to us, um, maybe at first when you lose somebody we care about, you know, we'll have a funeral, we'll celebrate who that person is, but after a few weeks goes by, everybody knows that what you're supposed to do is take all of that pain and issues and stuff and stick that away in the closet because it's not wall material. Um, and so whatever it is, you know, maybe it's heartbreak, maybe it's problems, maybe it's ongoing struggles. Um, every family, right, maybe it's family secrets. Those go in the closet, right? Our skeletons live in the closet. Uh, maybe it's our disputes with other people, the things we just can't get past, um, uh, uh, things that don't have easy answers, problems that are, are unsolved um, or 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 pains that we've experienced that we don't have a good reason for, that we shove um, very carefully in the closet, and we hope that there's a really strong door that we can keep that shut and that nobody will ever uh, see the, the reality of what's inside our closet, because that's not what the closet's for. The wall is for what's good and what we want people to know about us, and, and the closet is for everything else. And you'll find, at least in, in my experience, that, that there are plenty of things that are in our closet. And we know they're in our closet because we're afraid to mention them, uh, because maybe if they're spoken of in our family, they're spoken of quietly and indirectly. Um, but, but what we do, we, we try and, and keep that door shut tight. And, and so I, I think for me, the best way for me to uh, explain what I mean with the closet and the wall is to give like a few examples. So like the first example, right, the wall is where you put the, the beautiful, delicious sausage, right? 
The closet is for how the sausage gets made. Um, the wall is where you put up your, like, perfect, beautiful Instagram, like, of the meal that you cooked. Um, or, or maybe if you're, if you're like my, um, my long-suffering uh, wife, um, the, the beautiful lunches that you've made for the whole week, right, that's for the wall. You take a picture of that fridge, and there's 15 lunches in there, and everything's good to go. Uh, but the closet gets the, the eight hours of shopping, <laughs> the cooking, the 5,000 dirty dishes. Like, you zoom in on the food and you zoom out on the disaster. The disaster goes in the closet. The beautiful food goes on the wall. Um, the same thing is true uh, with, um, with having, having kids, right? Having a baby, childbirth, right? The, uh, the bump pictures, the baby socks, the nurseries, that classic picture that we all do now where where the, the wife is sitting in the, in, the, um, in the bed with the baby, mom's sitting there with the baby, and dad sneaks in and sits like on the side of the hospital bed, and you take that beautiful picture of the mom and dad and little baby, like that is a wall picture, right? Oh, it's beautiful. You put that as the background of your phone because you want everyone to see how beautiful that baby is. But what doesn't go on the wall, of course, is, um, <laughs> is the pain that it took to get there. Uh, maybe it's infertility, or postpartum recovery. Maybe it's marriage strain. The sleep that you're not getting in the way that you're treating each other in the home, that stuff goes in the closet, and the baby pictures go on the wall. Um, we're at a, at a moment in our, uh, in our world where we're having a fight, a big cultural fight, over what belongs on our wall as a nation. Uh, what belongs on our wall when we talk about history, right? Uh, you know, in, in this country, like the Bill of Rights, that's the wall, definitely. You know, George Washington, Abraham Lincoln, freeing the slaves, freedom of speech, beating the Nazis, winning the Cold War, that is wall stuff. Uh, and then we, um, uh, in the closet, you know, we keep um, things like Jim Crow and the, and the history of slavery. We keep the, the atom bomb lives in the closet most of the time. Um, for many people that served in our armed forces and fought in Vietnam, they had the experience of that being shoved firmly in the closet. We're not going to talk about it anymore because we don't know what to do with that. It doesn't go on the wall, so it's got to go in the closet. Um, this year we've had a lot of people pass away, um, different people, and, and we do a wall in a closet thing with, with funerals too. Uh, when we're celebrating someone's life, you know, the, the wall gets the funny stories, um, the celebration of life, and some tears, right? Uh, but the closet gets the family conflict, the unresolved relationships with the, with the deceased. Uh, the closet gets the mountains of paperwork. The closet gets the weeks and months and sometimes years of mourning uh, alone when everybody feels like you should make them a little more comfortable by uh, being a little bit more of a wall person. That's what goes in the closet. And it, and it doesn't seem to matter if it's our personal lives, our careers, our families, our church, or our country, we all know what belongs on the wall and what belongs in the closet. But the problem is, is this. The problem with, with the closet and the wall is this, is that the wall, right, is kind of a lie, isn't it? Uh, if we're editing our lives to only show others our triumphs, our successes, the things we're grateful for, and we're completely shoving away everything else, uh, the picture that people get of our lives is not true. The wall is sometimes a lie, and there's nothing wrong with celebrating certain things. Like, that's good. 
Uh, but if we, uh, if we try and uh, create a persona for ourselves of this perfect, beautiful life where everything's figured out, um, not only are we now separate from others because they don't realize that we're just like them and we've got junk in our closets too, um, but, but we also have this... Um, this problem where those around us look at our lives and say their life is so perfect and so figured out, they would never understand what it's like to go through and bear the burdens that I have. And we all sit there with our beautiful walls and we sit next to each other, we care about each other, and we pretend that everything's great and then we all feel isolated and lonely and fake. The wall sometimes is, is, is a lie. And the problem with, with the closet is that closets don't stay closed. Uh, when we put all of the bad stuff about our lives, all of the in-process things, all of the mourning that we're not dealing with, all of uh, the failures and sins, when we keep those things locked away, um, they, they sort of leak out of the closet. <laughs> they impact how we treat other people in ways that we can't always predict. Our unmourned loss, um, it can make it impossible for us to be with someone else who's mourning. Because we realize I can't sit with that person in their struggle because it makes me think too much about the struggles in the morning that I never went through. Um, sometimes what happens is the closet will pop open. We've all seen examples of that maybe in our own lives when we're carrying things pretty well and that person seemed like they had their life all together and then there's just one too many things and they blew up and wrecked their relationships. Or maybe that person, um, you know, eventually that person maybe passes away and you figure out what was in the closet and everybody's like, man, I, I didn't know that person was like that behind the scenes. Um, it, it wrecks us. And so um, often this is what we do. We, we put things on the wall. We put things in the closet. And, and for our culture, most of us kind of tacitly agree with this process. We might disagree with people about what belongs on the wall and what doesn't. Sometimes we'll pull some things that others might think are sort of closet things, but we'll put them up, uh, uh, proud of them up on the wall, and we'll have fights and arguments about what's appropriate uh, to go up on the wall. But most people agree that that's the paradigm, that we ought to keep some stuff hidden away for no one to see and some stuff on display for others to celebrate. Um, but the Bible, the Bible actually does this differently. It, it doesn't uh, give us a different way of deciding what goes on the wall or in the closet. It sort of it sort of blows up the whole uh, paradigm because the Bible, uh, it takes stories of success, of blessing, of celebration, uh, and it puts them uh, right next to stories of failure, tragedy, and profound hopelessness. And it says, um, you know, if this, is, if this is the wall of the history of God's people, there is a lot of stuff on it that most of us... Uh, never put on our own walls. And it's pretty, pretty amazing. I think it's one of the, the testaments to how God is really at work in the forming of Scripture because, like, what kind of nation um, writes a book about themselves and it's full of all their failures, <laughs> all of their mistakes, all of their tragedies? I don't know many people that do that. Uh, you know, what, what community writes, uh, writes its history like the Bible? Um, and, and Lamentations is a, um, it's, it's written about a, a closet moment, something that is so big, so tragic, so earth-shattering, it can't fit in the closet. 
And so instead of everyone deciding we are never going to think about this again, we are never going to let that happen again, we are going to avoid the thought of this, instead of that, um, what God's people did, empowered and led by the Holy Spirit, is they wrote a big poem about it. <laughs> they put it in Scripture, prompted by the Holy Spirit. And, and I, I thought this was, I didn't know this. Um, Jewish communities, uh, they actually read through all of Lamentations every single year together. Uh, they have a day that they dedicate to fasting and to remembering this, this closet uh, story. And, and Lamentations is, is written in response to this, this massive tragedy that, uh, you know, most of us would say, oh, that was a long time ago. Why don't you get over it? But, but the Bible doesn't want to get over it. Um, about two and a half thousand years ago, uh, an empire called Babylon... Uh, it's a long, complicated story, but related to how um, Israel made some pretty big uh, mistakes and turned their back on God. Uh, about two and a half thousand years ago, Babylon came into the capital city of Israel, uh, a town called Jerusalem, and they, and they leveled it to the ground. Now, if you know the story of the Old Testament, God chooses a special people that he's going to use to bless and heal the whole world. Uh, that's, that's the promise. That's the hope. And about two and a half thousand years ago, um, that people, that special nation, that special people uh, gets invaded by, um, by some pretty rough folks. And, they, and what they do, this is ancient world conquest 101, they take all the valuable people, all the smart people, all the rich people, all the famous people, all the royal people, and they take them out of the city uh, and they try and um, integrate them into their culture. And then they leave behind uh, everybody that doesn't have anything, so all the poor, all, all, all the uh, people that the Babylonians didn't feel have much to offer. And so this is where we're at. This is where we're at when Lamentations is written. Uh, all, the, all the best things are gone. In fact, the Babylonians came into God's temple, this special temple, and they, and they chopped up these beautiful uh, bronze pieces, all the pieces, all the precious metals in the temple, and they hauled them away into Babylon so they could melt them down and make them into, into other things. They leveled the city, and, and this tragedy was so big, so traumatic, that um, Jewish people around the world today, like I said, still gather every single year to read it and lament those events. And when they lament uh, that event 2,500 years ago, they actually take time to remember everything, all, you know, a number of massive tragedies that happened uh, to, to the Jewish people. Every year, this book is performed to, to remember. And, and you've got a, a, a lady's face up there because um, in, in Lamentations, Jerusalem is personified as a, as a woman, a weeping woman who's lost everything. And so she's one of the characters in Lamentations. And so every year what they'll do in, in good Jewish synagogues, even to this day, um, they'll have a, a man and a woman read back and forth the various parts of this book, um, these five, five poems. Um, <clears throat> and so that first chapter, it's, it's got these two speakers. There's a narrator who talks about uh, Miss Jerusalem, and there's Miss Jerusalem who responds in the first person expressing her pain and her anguish. And so over the next few weeks, I want to challenge you, I want to encourage you to do something that we basically never do in the church, which is sit down and read uh, a chapter of Lamentations every week. Uh, and so if you're not a, a where's the beef person, I encourage you today, we're not going to read all of Lamentations 1 because it's long. I encourage you to sit down and read it and listen to it. And you're going to find um, some surprising things 
Uh, you're going to find that the way that we feel when we face loss has not changed in 2,500 years. You're going to find some uh, pretty, uh, pretty real stuff. Uh, and so what we're going to do, I'm just going to read a part of it. And it's up on the slides. I know the words are kind of small for those of you in here, but hopefully you got your, your Bible with you. Um, I'm going to read it aloud. And we're going to hear uh, a few excerpts from this, and then I'm going to share uh, a few things that jumped out to me about how uh, God's Word deals with, um, with the closet. So uh, let's, let's take a look. And I've got it on here, so I'll just use it on here. It begins in verse 1. How deserted lies the city, once so full of people. How like a widow is she, who was once great among the nations. She who is queen among the provinces has now become a slave. And skipping down to verse 11, all her people groan as they search for bread. They barter their treasures for food to keep themselves alive. Uh, and in the, in the woman's voice, she says, look, Lord, and consider, for I am despised. Is it nothing to you, all you who pass by, look around and see, is any suffering like my suffering that was inflicted on me, that the Lord bought on me in the day of his fierce anger? From on high he sent fire, sent it down into my bones. He spread a net for my feet and turned me back. He made me desolate and faint all the day long. That is not a calendar Bible verse, is it? My sins, she says, have been bound up into a yoke. By his hands, they were woven together. They've been hung on my neck, and the Lord has sapped my strength. He has given me into the hands of those I cannot withstand. And jumping down to verse 21, this is how she ends her, her prayer in this chapter. She says, People have heard my groaning, but there is no one to comfort me. In fact, in chapter 1, um, she says five different times that there's no one to comfort her. She says, all her enemies have heard of my distress, and they rejoice at what you have done. May you bring the day you have announced, so that they may become like me. Let all their wickedness come before you and deal with them as you've dealt with me. Because of my sins, my groans are many, and my heart is faint. Again, not one for the verse-a-day calendar. Uh, and these are the things that I notice. I encourage, challenge you to take a look at this this week and hear uh, what's going on in, in, these, in these words. Hear what it means for a community, a city, a people to mourn something so tremendously tragic that it just can't be contained in the closet. Uh, and so the things that, that jump out to me right away, and as you read uh, uh, Lamentations, um, all five chapters these next few weeks, um, you're going to notice that, and, and you're going to notice um, that it's, it's like explicit. <laughs> In fact, there are some uh, parts of Lamentations that are really hard to look at. When we hear about that kind of pain, about that kind of suffering, uh, we want to turn away. But, but the author of Lamentations describes in excruciating detail the isolation and the hopelessness uh, that this city's loss has caused people. It's, it's, um, it's real clear. And, and it reminds me 
That, uh, and I challenge you, encourage you, whenever you are opening up your closet, it is okay to be honest with God about how terrible something is. In the church, we like to pretend, uh, and we actually believe it's like spiritual, to pretend that bad things aren't bad things. Uh, but, but God's word reminds us that when we experience bad things, it's okay to name them as such. It's okay to say, um, this is uh, the kind of, <laughs> I once listened to a comedian that, that used to say, the one thing that your spouse is asking you for uh, when they share about their difficult day, right? It's not uh, a solution to their problems. It's not an argument about why it's not such a big deal. It's for you to look them in the eye and say, that sucks. <laughs> and Lamentations is like that. We put this stuff out there and we say it's wrong, it's not okay. And, and often when other people are expressing the hard things that they're going through, um, we have this temptation to try and sugarcoat it, to say, no, it's not so bad, it's going to be okay, when at times maybe we just need to look at it and say, you're right, that, that sucks. Uh, it continues on, um, the loss is not uh, simply individual but communal, right? Lady Jerusalem isn't a real woman. Uh, she's a representative of all of those sitting there in the ashes of that city. She's a representation of all of those of us that would read and mourn uh, the losses and the troubles in our own lives. Um, loss is communal. And so as we read Lamentations, as you read it, remember that millions and, and, and hundreds of millions of people have read this out loud over the course of history together. Uh, so we're invited to open our closets when we read things like Lamentations and add them to the pile, just like the Jewish people have done for centuries in letting these words echo not just the destruction of the temple uh, uh, two and a half thousand years ago, but also things like the Holocaust. Uh, the third, um, it's confessional. And this, um, this gets to us, and it should bother us a little bit. I know it bothers me. Uh, you can't read Lamentations without uh, it becoming very clear that the um, lamenter feels some responsibility for um, the things that are befalling her. She, she admits fault, she admits that it, there are things that she's done that have brought this about. Now, I want to be really clear that when bad things don't happen to us in our lives, it's not that there's some thing that we've done and that God's necessarily punishing us, but uh, it, full of our closets, our closets are full of um, feelings of failure. Many of us fill up our closets with those things. Um, our closets are full of feelings of blame, and sometimes we are responsible for the things that are happening to us in our lives. Sometimes we bear some responsibility for our broken relationships. Sometimes we bear some responsibility for the trouble that we're experiencing. And, and other times we're not responsible. Uh, other times there are things that we are, are totally out of our control, uh, uh, but there are still things that we regret in that loss. Nobody's ever lost a loved one without some regret. And if somebody says that they have no regrets, more power to them, but I would challenge them uh, to maybe crack that closet open a little bit. Uh, Lady Jerusalem, in our scripture, uh, she invites us to name our failures and the ways we've contributed to them. To speak out loud, not so that we'll be crushed by them, but to let them out of the closet we keep them in. And that, the last thing is crucial. 
uh, is the direction of Lady Jerusalem's lament, the direction of her not-so-encouraging words. Lady Jerusalem invites us to direct our lament to God together. Every time uh, God's people uh, have read this story together, every time Orthodox Jews uh, read it today once a year, they're uh, piling on to it all of their own things to lament, and they're pointing it at a God that they believe is big enough to handle our worst feelings, our greatest failures, and our most hopeless moments. She directs her lament to God, and we are invited to together bring the things uh, that suck (laughs) to God. Because she believes, and as Christians, we believe that the only one who can really bring healing, the only one who can show up and work in ways that we can't experience, isn't you or me or our own, strong, our own strength, but God himself. And as you read Lamentations, you'll notice this in all five chapters, that she brings this prayer before her God because she knows he is the only one that can heal it. We come to God in our pain, our failure, and our sin, in our lament, and we're invited to offer him our pain, sin, and failure together so that we can be seen by the only one who heals. Because when we shove our grief, our sin, our problems, our uncomfortable realities into the closet, we think we're getting past them. We think that skeleton is no longer an issue because we've closed the door and it's solid. But the reality is that whenever we shove our unborn losses, our failures, our sin into the closet, we are never free of them. In fact, they gain a bigger, stronger hold on us. We find that in the darkness, those things isolate, alienate, and enslave us even more. But if we embrace lament, we can find that we can open our closets together and wait for the only one that can heal our wounds, forgive our sin, and bring life out of death. We'll find God not only present in the things that we want to share on our wall, not only in the healing and the victory and the answered prayers, but in the failure, the loss, and even in response to our sin. Um, in the church, we call the, the weeks leading up to Easter Lent. It just means spring. Um, but for many Christians, it's a time for, for uh, giving something up so that we can be reminded of our, our own mortality and our own reliance on God. Uh, but for many of us, um, we, have no, <laughs> we don't need a reminder of that after this year. You know, uh, many of you uh, sitting here or watching, you've, you've lost somebody in this year, um, and, and we've had a lot of people pass away uh, here at Bethel, a lot of loss, a lot of hurt. We've lost family members or friends. Some of you have lost health or security. All of us have lost the comfort of familiar activities. We've missed out on important milestones and anticipated experiences. Our relationships are strained and conflicted. And maybe you're like me and you just want to take all of that junk and shove it in the closet and close the door as hard as you can and put it behind you and say, let's pretend that this year never happened 
Let's start again this summer, but it doesn't work that way, my friends. The closet is not big enough for all of this stuff. And so my encouragement, my challenge to all of us is in this season of preparing for Easter that we would allow God to open up our closets and lament honestly together. That we would name the things that we've lost, the ways that we've failed, and the ways that we hope God will show up in that. Because we don't have to keep our isolation, our pain, our loss, our sin, our unsolvable problems, and our failures in the closet because we have a God who joins us in our lament when we're alone. We have a God who comforts us in our pain. We have a God who makes right our losses and failures. We have a God who frees prisoners, forgives the unforgivable, solves the unsolvable problems, recognizes enemies who hate each other more than anything else. We have a God who brings the dead back to life. There's no good in pretending that they're not dead, but let's put our hope in the resurrection. My friends, we have the luxury of acceptance, the luxury of mourning, and the luxury of lament because we know that Christ was crushed on our behalf. And so we don't have to pretend anymore. I want to invite you uh, to pray with me uh, and to uh, admit your lament and your need before God, to accept the grace of a God who would be crushed for you, and a closet, an empty tomb, a tomb that didn't stay closed, but that opened up and brought resurrection. And so I want to invite you to pray with me. Would you pray with me? Lord God, we have stuff in our closets. We have things that we are deeply ashamed of. We have losses that we are still mourning and we don't know what the other side looks like. We have sins that we don't think we can be forgiven of. And everything that we shove in our closets, Lord, all of our need, all of our failure, we think that if that door ever opens up, we'll be crushed by it. But the truth is that you are a God who opens closets and tombs that you're a God who sent your own son to die on our behalf, and that all we need to do is confess our need for him and his grace and forgiveness, and you'll make us new from the inside out, both now and forever. So Lord, we put our faith and our hope and our trust in you, the only one that can make sense out of the things that we don't know how to put on our walls. We thank you for what you've done. In your name, amen. Amen. I'd like to invite our worship team to come forward. Let's conclude our service praising a God who brings life out of dead places. Thanks for joining us. You can find out more about our church, our live stream, and our in-person services at BethelCove.org. Thanks and have a great week.